is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, when the program was over last night, I did watch the remainder of the debate. And I have some observations that might be a little different than most people. Nikki Haley is a liar. She's been lying about Ron DeSantis's position on energy. She's been told she's lying, and she keeps lying. She lies about her own positions when it comes to communist China. She was celebrating the Communist Party officials for years and years as governor. And she would do virtually anything to have their investment in the state of South Carolina. Her response is, again, to attack DeSantis is doing the same, which is a lie. Everybody in Florida knows it. She says she's pro-life. She was never a big pro-life governor or pro-life supporter. So she's lying about that, too. And I can go down the list. That's why the Wall Street Journal is slobbering all over her today. Because the Wall Street Journal is not a conservative editorial page. It's not leftist, but it promotes Peggy Noonan and her ilk. It used to trash the Tea Party in 2010. It used to promote an amendment to the Constitution. Thou shalt have, or thou shalt have open borders. Of course, it, it doesn't apologize for that position in the past. It's called the World, Wall Street Journal, not the Main Street Journal. And she's being promoted by essentially three groups. The Republican establishment. Bush individuals 
as well as Democrats in the media and billionaire Republican donors who hate Donald Trump. When people talk about Nikki Haley, they talk about the superficial, how she responded to Ramaswamy, what she said about Trump, what she said this, what she said that. You notice she never runs on her record. She runs from her record. She didn't answer the questions about her close economic ties with communist China. She went on the attack. I've been calling her George Bush in a dress. I guess Ramaswamy's people have heard me about Cheney with high heels, but that's not it. It's George Bush in a dress. She's an establishment moderate Republican. Now, some people might be looking for that. And this is what I wanted to say about that. The country is dying. We're in the ICU. We can't afford to have a Bush, Christie, Sununu, McConnell, Republican in the White House. We will not turn this country around. We'll have a respite from the radical left, but we will not make progress, not one inch of progress in pushing our agendas. That is a problem. And so the reason people like Donald Trump isn't because they're stupid. Is it because they're hypnotized? Is it because they're MAGA, radical MAGA? It's because they saw how he governed for four years. And his substance was outstanding. Peace in the Middle East. A border that was more secure than any time since Dwight Eisenhower. An economy that was growing and expanding and creating wealth and opportunity for Americans. Normalcy. When it came to issues like transgenderism and critical race theory. The same media that is pushing immoral equivalency between the Hamas terrorists and the democracy in Israel is the same media that did, has, and continues to try and destroy Trump. The reason why many of us like DeSantis as a governor is because he can run on his record. People moved to Florida in droves. They still are. People speak with their feet. Nikki Haley speaks with her mouth. That's fine. But people weren't rushing into South Carolina because she was governor. South Carolina wasn't even thought about when people were thinking about where shall I move? 
because Nikki Haley was one of a mass of Republican governors who basically manage as best they can the state. But they don't make any forward movement. They don't make any progress. South Carolina is a largely Republican state. She even had it easy. And she accomplished almost nothing. Ron DeSantis wins by the skin of his teeth. And he doesn't play rhino. He doesn't play it safe. He governs the state as a constitutional conservative. And so is attacked by the Wall Street Journal. Why? Because the Tea Party movement, the Reagan Revolution, the Trump Revolution, none of these things would have happened if the Republican establishment had its way. The DeSantis victory in Florida, none of these things would have happened. He had to win a primary against a rhino. And yet when conservatives finally win, they're extraordinarily popular. The problem conservatives have, whether it's Barry Goldwater or Ronald Reagan, three attempts to get the nomination of the Republican Party, or Donald Trump is a conservative by common sense, not by philosophy, or Ron DeSantis in Florida, the problem they all have is the Republican establishment, the Republican billionaires, who stop them, who try to stop them, who fight them. Once they muscle through, they do okay. Even now, we have Karl Rove out there saying, if it's Biden, Trump, it'll be the most disastrous election in American history. A rhino, establishment. Chris Christie spends all his time appearing in front of Republicans, trashing Trump. What is the point of that? Nikki Haley was a Trump appointee. She was not on the national scene, but for Trump. And she said she wouldn't run against him if he decides to run. But there she is running against him, even though he decided to run. So what, right? And I'm no Ramaswamy fan in the least. I know a charlatan when I see one. That said, when he pointed out on TikTok, Nikki Haley going on about all the things she's going to do about TikTok and to protect all the children from TikTok, it was absolutely legitimate for him to mention, and he didn't do it in a disrespectful way. And he didn't attack her, and he didn't attack her daughter to say, you haven't even dealt with that in your own family. Your daughter's on TikTok. And she calls him a scum? Really? If we want to win the next election, and we must, we have to ignore these commentators. We have to ignore these operatives who are on cable and elsewhere, who spent their entire lives feeding from the the ruling class and the establishment? We have to reject these people. 
Gerald Ford lost against Jimmy Carter, for crying out loud. But my concern is, we can fight the Democrats and the Marxists and the Islamists. But how do we deal with the fifth column in the Republican Party? That seeks to purify the party. Whether they're in the minority or not, they don't much care. So that they can continue. They go on the media. They can continue to make money, hold office, be called honorable. That's been the problem for Republicans, for conservatives. We have a Republican Party that hates its conservative base. That hates its conservative base. I see these Bush guys always throwing Reagan's name around. Rove does it. Rove was never a Reagan guy. Christie does it. Christie was never a Reagan guy. Sununu does it. Sununu's family, they were never Reaganites. Why don't they talk about George H.W. Bush? Why don't they talk about George W. Bush? I have nothing against those men personally, past and present. Nothing. But they didn't do anything. Certainly not anything that mattered. The great change among presidents, the greatest Republican presidents, were men who were leaders. Leaders. Abraham Lincoln didn't try and figure out 15 different ways on slavery that would avoid an all-out war. Calvin Coolidge didn't try and figure out 50 different ways to expand the economy. Ronald Reagan didn't try and figure out 50 different ways to defeat the Soviet Union and so forth. Some things you do because they're right. The Republican media, Republicans in the media, notice I didn't say conservatives, want us to change our views on abortion. We're getting our asses kicked on abortion, they tell us. Well, we are. For two reasons. Number one, when it comes to that issue, Republicans become illiterate, incapable of speaking and explaining. Number two, the Democrat Party billionaires are all in on abortion on demand, right to the end. Hakeem Jeffries just said, no restrictions whatsoever on abortion. Republican billionaires, many of them agree with that. I can't tell you how many times I've had some of them and other wealthy Republicans come up to me and say, can't we just drop the social issues? In other words, the cultural issues. I've never used that phrase, social issues. I've always called them cultural issues. Nikki Haley says, drop it. And it's not just with abortion. It's with Disney. It's with the classrooms. The Peggy Noonans. Same thing. Peggy Noonan was never involved in Reagan's primary campaign. She came on later after he got elected. She worked for Dan Rather. She hates Netanyahu. She hates DeSantis, of course. She promoted Chris Christie. But nobody wants Chris Christie. He's up there because the Democrats keep sending him small donations. 
small donations. Nikki Haley said something. I think it was in response to either Tim Scott or Ron DeSantis. She said, we can't build our Navy. We don't know how many ships we need because of our massive debt. Does that sound like a leader to you? That's not what Reagan said. You have to reprioritize the spending in the federal government. That's hard to do. So more goes to defense and and less to climate change. Because we have to do both if we're going to survive now. We have to do both if we're going to survive. Ramaswamy is a foreign policy illiterate. It's not about neocons. It's not about that stuff. He's a foreign policy illiterate. He does his best imitation of George McGovern. More when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. You know, there is a uh, there is a uh, article in National Review about the death, the murder of Paul Kessler. Do the rest of the media remember who Paul Kessler is? Should there be riots in the streets? I mean, if Paul Kessler was of a different minority group or a different faith, wouldn't there be? I'll be right back. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. 
You can reach him at 877-381-3811. 31 Americans were murdered on October 7th. 25 American soldiers have suffered traumatic brain injuries by Iranian terrorist militia groups firing their missiles. And so far, the best the Biden regime can do is to blow up a couple warehouses. They did it again yesterday, and 31 of our people are dead. 25 of our people over there have traumatic brain injury. So, of course, Iran's going to keep it up. Because we have a sickening, pathetic, buffoonish man in the Oval Office, in the office of the Secretary of State, in the office of the National Security Advisor. A very dangerous clown show. Paul Kessler was a 69-year-old man. He and another gentleman organized this pro-Israel rally. They didn't bust into a pro-Palestinian rally. They organized their own rally. He and Jonathan Aswax, two older gentlemen. It's the second one they organized. And of course, people get into their faces. Keep hearing about free speech. Apparently, like on our colleges and universities, it only goes one way. Sheriff isn't sure who did what. I am. The elderly Jewish man is dead. Somebody assaulted him. I don't care what they were arguing. Doesn't matter. Apparently he was punched and hit over the head. And he hit the ground in a loud thump. And his head cracked open. Blood. Big puddle of blood. And, of course, internal bleeding. And they took him to the hospital, and he died. How many Jews have died in the United States since October 7th? You know, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, all the rest of you lousy, disgusting propaganda operations. How many Jews have been killed in the United States since October 7th? There's one. But there's been more than one. You have to fabricate, manufacture deaths in the Capitol building on January 6th. Here we have real deaths occurring. Violence. People being brutalized and murdered. And you just move on. You just mouth the Hamas line. You just mouth the Biden administration line. That's all you do. Because you're disgusting. Because you're Democrats. And I want America to know it's the conservatives. It's conservative media. It's conservative talk radio. It's Fox. It's Newsmax. It's OAN. It's Breitbart. It's The Blaze. It's The Daily Wire. It's Right Scoop. 
It's the Daily Caller and those entities like them. We're the ones. We're the ones defending civilization. Blaze has not hired any anti-Semites, any pro-Hamas mouthpieces. Daily Wire hasn't. Right Scoop hasn't. Fox News hasn't. CNN has. MSNBC has. NBC has. ABC, CBS. New York Times, they have a conga line. One hundred and ninety or so Democrats voted against censuring Talib, who called for the extermination of the Jews in Israel. Twenty-two voted with the Republicans. Around 190 voted with Talib. Over at Breitbart, John Nolte notes, hate crimes against Jews in Democrat-run New York City surged 214% last month, according to the far-left New York Daily News. Most of the gun violence... Violent crime, pollution, sexism, racism, hate crimes occur where Democrats are in charge, he points out. Of course, he's right. New York City, of course, is one of the most left-wing cities in the country, and yet hate is still on the march. Actually, hate against Jews is on a rampage. Last month in New York, overall hate crimes increased by 124% when compared to October of 2022. But hate crime reports against Jews skyrocketed by an astonishing 214%. We're feeling it 100%, says Bob Moskowitz, the executive coordinator of Brooklyn's Flatbush Shamrin Safety Patrol. He told the Daily News. Our hotline, with the community utilizes to report any incident, has probably increased in the last month and a half by 300%. The phone is simply... Non-stop. This is happening in every major city in America. You remember when it was all hands on deck when parents were protesting at the Loudoun County School Board and they hadn't harmed a hair on anybody's head? Remember how quickly the Biden administration, the Department of Education, the Department of Justice, how quickly they jumped into action? They put out a memo Oh, yes, all hands on deck, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's offices, the National Security Unit, the Civil Rights Division, the Criminal Division, every division, every unit, every office on high alert for parents at school board meetings. That's not happening now. Is it? No. We haven't heard from Merrick Garland. In weeks. When it comes to appointing people to investigate Trump, there he is. When it comes to attacking the Georgia Republican legislature, there he is. When it comes to attacking the governor of Texas, who's trying to secure the border, there he is. When it comes to trans rights, quote unquote, there's Garland. But what about now? Silence. Why is it the Attorney General holding a 
news conference with the deputy and the associate attorney generals, with the head of the criminal division, the head of the civil rights division, laying out an entire program of what they're doing. Why aren't they doing that? Why don't we get a coherent announcement from one of the two or three spokes idiots for the idiot in the White House explaining in detail what the federal government's going to do about the violations of the Civil Rights Act? Where's that? Instead, we get this proclamation on Islamophobia. Where is it? Where are the Democrats on Capitol Hill? Schumer? Hakeem Jeffries? Insisting at the top of their lungs that both parties and both chambers get to the bottom of this, address it, confront it, figure out what we need to do to stop it. Where are they? Where's the DNC letter? Condemning the colleges and universities. Where is it? The Democrat Party's all in. By silence, by lack of action, and by loud voices and action. They're split. They're not split ideologically, they're split on political tactics. Oh yes, there's some members of the House, most of whom are Jewish, who are appalled by what's taking place. Well, they should reconsider what party they belong to. They're safer in the Republican caucus than the Democrat Party caucus, and they damn well know it. Mark, how can you attack Merrick Garland? You understand he's Jewish. I don't care what he is. This is the game they play. Don't you dare attack XYZ because he's Jewish. I'll attack whomever I want, and I attack them for the right reasons. It's very, very important that we not allow the media, the Democrat Party, and all the rest of them to silence us, to intimidate us. They make a run at it with me now and then. They all repeat themselves. The same damn media that stands with Hamas statistics and Hamas propaganda. The same damn media that not today, not yesterday, and not tomorrow will report on all the civilians being murdered in Iran, in Yemen. They don't even talk about the slaughters going on in Syria anymore. The people being slaughtered daily by the Palestinian Authority, you know, the moderates. How many of the people who've died in Gaza have been killed by the terrorists? Either directly or as a military tactic. Why don't they divide up their little statistics, such as they are? There's a video out now. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if I have the stomach to watch it yet, to be perfectly honest with you. There's a video out now. 
with some of the graphic details of what happened on October 7th. It's so horrendous. It's so horrendous that people who have watched it, it's changed their lives. It's changed their lives. And after they watch the video, they break down many many people. One of the eyewitnesses at the kibbutz that was attacked said that the Hamas Palestinians were brutally and massively raping the women and the girls. Passing one to the other. And shooting them in the head. Before they even pulled up their pants. So if you're an Israeli Jew and you keep hearing about a humanitarian pause. What do you mean humanitarian pause? What are you talking about? And the burned bodies, people burned alive. Have you ever seen a body of a human being burned alive? It's unimaginable. And what they went through? And within days, we have CARE, the Hamas Network, Students for Justice in Palestine, We have Marxist professors, Marxist students. We have Palestinians, not members of Hamas, Palestinians who are sympathetic to Hamas, pouring into the streets by the tens of thousands, as if October 7th never happened. And we have a media playing this game of moral equivalency. And I should shut up about it. Over my dead body. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals we hear this line well not all Palestinians support terrorism that's obviously true 
Let me repeat it for the hard of hearing leftists. That's obviously true. But it obviously doesn't matter. The fact is, when we were hit on 9-11, the plot, the attack, involved less than 24 Muslims. And I'm not the first to say this. Other people have made the point too. Were a majority of Germans in favor of the extermination of the Jews? Doesn't matter. A large enough percentage were. 10%, 15, 20, 50. Wherever you find terrorism, tyranny, totalitarianism, the vast majority of the time, the majority doesn't support it. But that's why they're not democracies. They don't give a damn about the vote. So when people say, hey, look, you know, it's not most Palestinians, why does that matter? It's the individuals who are the terrorists, who have control over the resources, who have control over a territory or a society or so forth. They're the problem. And because of them, an enormous amount of harm is done, including death. So it's not like that's an answer to anything. And that evil has to be wiped out. Whether it was Hitler, whether it was Stalin, whatever it is. They have to be wiped out. And there's really no easy way to do it but to do it. And of course civilians are harmed by that. I can't think of a single war or a major conflict in which that hasn't been the case. Now you tell me one case, just one, in where victims turn around, go after their enemy, and then have humanitarian pauses, quote-unquote. Well, Mark, Netanyahu just agreed three or four hours a day. Here's the truth. They've been doing that anyway. Biden jumps out because he's trying to take credit. Because that's all Biden knows. That's all he does. He hasn't done a damn thing about Iran. Nothing. Who's killed American citizens again, and who has severely harmed American soldiers again. Again. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, yellow, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, all the other reprobates and malcontents. 
What exactly can you tell me today is the Biden administration doing to protect Jewish students in colleges and universities? What exactly is this administration doing? Now, the answer is we have no idea. As best as we can tell, nothing. Christopher Ray beats his chest, as does the Attorney General, on how they have the greatest investigation in the history of the Department of Justice and FBI against January 6th protesters who were parading and trespassing. Nobody was killed that day except a protester. A veteran who wasn't harming anybody, who didn't do any violence. And she was shot through a door or a window and murdered. And that police officer has a clear record, clean record, and is actually celebrated. Now we have Jews have been killed. We have Jews who have been maimed. We have Jews who have been beaten. We have Gentiles, righteous Gentiles, who've been brutalized for protecting and standing up for and speaking out against the Jews who are being brutalized. Because this is what we do as Americans. We defend each other. We understand right from wrong, evil from good. But where is this administration? The early talk from Biden, I stand with Israel, and we now know that's not true. I was the first to post on social media and get behind this microphone and tell you that he's a liar. He's doing things behind the scenes to undermine Israel. And they made a big brouhaha about uh, Islamophobia Day or whatever the hell they called it. They're going to really look into get to the bottom of this. They haven't said anything serious. They haven't taken any serious actions. If they have, they haven't told us. The FBI director says hate crimes in America over 60% against Jews. What's he doing about it? What's the Department of Education doing with the Department of Justice to deal with these universities and colleges where Jews are scared to death? Or people who support Israel who aren't Jews are scared to death. They can't speak out. You've got Jewish students who have to put their Star David aside, take off their kippahs, a.k.a. yarmulkes. You have these Jewish organizations called Hillel. They're shutting. You've got rabbis who have to carry pistols with them. What is the United States Department of Justice doing about this? If they'd apply the resources they're applying to try and send Donald Trump to prison for the rest of his life, just take several millions of those dollars and apply it to protecting these students. Wouldn't that make sense? What's the FBI doing? What's anybody doing in this administration? I looked again online. I don't see any Statements? Who's being prosecuted? We, not, we want a list. Who's being prosecuted? 
for violating the Federal Civil Rights Act. Let's be honest, America. If these Jews were black, if these Jews were Muslim, if these Jews were something else, the Biden administration would jump into action in two minutes. But since the Democrat Party has this Hamas Nazi wing, since the Democrat Party owns the colleges and universities, since the Democrat Party owns the media, the media own the Democrat Party. I wrote all about it. The Democrat Party hates America. They're not going to respond as they would with any other group. And they haven't. And they haven't. It even gets worse. They blame the Israelis. They're starting to blame the Israelis. All these civilian casualties. CNN has no independent information on how many civilian casualties there are or who committed civilian casualties. Oh, we know some, obviously, during the course of the war, but how many, how many civilians have been murdered by Hamas in the Gaza Strip since October 7th? How come the health service isn't putting that information up? Because they own the health service. These casualty numbers, they're not backed up by anything. Maybe they're accurate, maybe they're not, but they're not backed up by anything. But who's done the killing of civilians? Either directly or intentionally by putting them in harm's way. We know who does that. It's Hamas and the four billionaires who run Hamas who are living the high life of your tax dollars in Qatar and Turkey. In Qatar and Turkey. The outrage by the media, if these weren't Jews, would be exponentially bigger. Look at the horror of the George Soros killing. Look at the groups that came out in the streets and rioted. Look at the media coverage, day in and day out. Look at the societal consequences. You have a man who was murdered in Thousand Oaks, California. By a pro-Palestinian protester. You haven't heard a damn thing about this today and you won't hear about it tomorrow. There won't be much focus on that. He's not the only Jew who's been murdered since October 7th in the United States. And but for the video of a student at Cooper Union College showing a handful of Jew Jewish students afraid for their lives with the mob bounding at the door, banging at the door, and then they run to the attic. We probably wouldn't even know about it. What's happened to those students, the mob, 
that was pounding at the door. Nothing. SWAT teams across America are too busy trying to chase down some more of these January 6th protesters. What about the protesters last weekend in Washington who were bussed in with money provided by the Soros front groups, by CARE, a Hamas front group, by Students for Justice in Palestine and the Hamas funding network, International Answer Inc., Black Lives Matter, the usual Marxist, Islamist groups and individuals. The damage they did to monuments, no big deal. Were they parading and trespassing when they were trying to break into the White House? Shouldn't the book be thrown at them? Shouldn't we have SWAT teams all over America trying to track these people down? We hear nothing, nothing about any of them. Not one of them was arrested. Not one. None. What about the finances of CARE? What about the finances of the Hamas network? What about the finances of students for justice in Palestine? What about the finances of Media Matters and these other Soros groups? Why are they off limits? Why is that? Is the IRS tracking anything down? Well, nobody said anything. What about the FBI? Nobody said anything. What about the Attorney General? He's probably at Rehoboth Beach with Biden. I don't know. Not a word. Any curiosity about the media? None whatsoever. Zero. Nothing. That's what's going on in the United States of America. Not because of the people of this country, but because of the ruling class. Even more because of the Democrat Party, their media, their colleges and universities, their militia, their front groups, their billionaires. This thing is spreading. You know, I look at these black and white films I had my whole life. The World at War. Remember that show? One series after, it was a massive series, one show after another. My eyes were glued to it. I think I was 10 or 12 years old. One of the greatest series documentaries ever. But from that and others, remember watching Kristallnacht. Kristallnacht, the night the Nazis rounded up Jews, humiliated them, beat them in the streets, burned down their stores, burned down the synagogues. Several hundred Jews murdered on that day. Of course, hell was to come. When I look at these Jewish students running, when I see these pictures, the defacing of synagogues. When the media are either silent or they push these stories to the back pages. Or they use the statistics and the information of the people who lit the match. 
in the Middle East. Or when I see our government funding the enemy. Funding Iran. Funding Iran. Funding Hamas. Funding the Palestinian Authority. Still, to this day. I see Kristallnacht. And it'll be up to you and me to prevent this from getting any further. It'll be up to you and me. 4.3 million Germans lost their lives during World War II. All of them didn't support Hitler. Too many did, obviously. But it didn't matter. Six million Jews lost their lives. To defeat Hamas, to defeat Iran, to defeat Hezbollah, is to save millions and millions of lives, human, human beings, whether they be Jewish or not. How quickly we forget 2001, 9-11. A relative handful of terrorists. How quickly we forget all the terrorist acts committed against America before 9-11 and since 9-11. Can you imagine if Iran gets a nuclear weapon? Why is North Korea trying to help Iran, China trying to help Iran get a nuclear weapon? The bigger question is why doesn't the Democrat Party give a damn? Why does Biden do nothing about it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. I hope you'll watch Life, Liberty, and Levin Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Life, Liberty, and Levin Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Sunday, we have a big guest, former ambassador to the United States, and the closest confidant, I believe, that Prime Minister Netanyahu has, Ron Dermer. Saturday, I'm going to deliver, I think, one of my most important monologues. I call them opening statements about the media. CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, Media Matters, and several others. Look right here at National Review today. CNN cuts ties with Freelancer after a photo emerges of him sharing a kiss with a Hamas leader. 
See, CNN doesn't really vet who it uses. Doesn't really vet. Because this freelancer, if this freelancer, this photo freelancer, uh, wasn't able to be discovered until another website revealed it, CNN would still be using this person. CNN doesn't think it has any responsibility for the guests that it brings on, for the freelancers that it hires. They don't care. David Zimmerman writing at National Review, CNN cut ties with a freelance photojournalist based in Gaza hours after a photo emerged purportedly showing a top Hamas leader kissing the photographer on the cheek. And CNN had no hint about this, you know. That's why it's disreputable. You can't rely on it. Don't rely on it. It's the voice of the enemy. Freelancer Hassan Ishlai can be seen in the photo being friendly with Hamas chief Yahan Sinwar, the mastermind behind the October 7 massacre. They killed 1,400 Israelis. That slaughtered them. The photo came to light after honest reporting. A pro-Israel media watchdog group, well, they might be pro-Israel, but they're also pro-accurate, published a report Wednesday claiming Islaya and other photojournalists were embedded with Hamas terrorists on the day they attacked Israel last month. Hassa Islaya, who was a freelance journalist working for us and many other outlets, was not working for the network on October 7th. As of today, we have severed all ties with him, CNN said in a statement provided to National Review. He also works for the Associated Press. So all the media liked his work. None of the media vetted the guy. Why? Because they can. They can. One of the worst decisions of the Supreme Court in modern times was New York Times versus Sullivan. Not specifically related to this, but related generally It gave complete immunity to the media, even if it would libel somebody or some group. That's not what the First Amendment says. The First Amendment says you have a right to free speech and freedom of the press. So you can't have prior restraint unless it's really an emergency or exigent circumstance. But here we're not talking about prior restraint. We're talking about the the consequences of your free speech or freedom of the press. And yet there aren't any anymore. I'll be right back. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. 
Mark Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Media coverage. Guy Benson, good man. Good man. I, I've always liked this gentleman. Always. When I watch him on TV, when I read his columns, just superb. He writes, media coverage of conservative rallies versus pro-Palestine quote-unquote rallies. Can you spot the difference? He writes at townhall.com, another great site. He says, think back for a moment to the early days of the Obama administration. Journalists were jubilant because their favorite politician had triumphed in the presidential election and their political party had won sweeping victories at the polls. Conservatives were licking their wounds and regrouping, trying to regain an identity in the political wilderness. The GOP ended up scoring auspicious victories in 2009, presaging their historic 2010 romp, part of which was fueled by intense and focused energy among conservative grassroots. Much of that energy was for a time centered around the Tea Party movement, which demanded a restoration of fiscal responsibility and constitutional government. The so-called news media, eager to protect Obama and discredit his opposition, covered the Tea Party as negatively as possible. And that would include the Wall Street Journal editorial page. That would include all the comments on and off the record by the Republican establishment, led by Mitch McConnell. The ruling party, including the IRS, took note and followed suit with their own forms of abuse and harassment. It was a team effort. When supporters of a fringe, mostly left-wing cult figure showed up at rallies with placards depicting Obama's Hitler, the cameras flocked to them. Look at these crazies when grown men would show up in Revolutionary War era garb. In keeping with the Tea Party theme, they often received disproportionate screen time. Aren't these weirdo copes players ridiculous? When a single utterance or syllable was deemed out of the line or inflammatory, that pull quote was hyped and attributed to the larger group. When Democrats claim without any evidence that Tea Party crowd shouted racial epithets at them, the press ran with it. Nancy Pelosi wept phony tears about how scary and dangerous it all was, garnering favorable attention from her many journalistic allies. When there was no overtly offensive or, problem- or problematic material to work with, ubiquitous, insidious dog whistles were identified. Turned out journalists' ears were highly attuned to these allegedly hidden disparaging racial messages about Obama. The overall thrust of the coverage was that the Tea Party was a hotbed of bigotry, with outright racism and even violent impulses simmering just beneath the surface. Of course, most of the actual violence attributed to the movement was either exposed as a hoax or was disproportionately perpetuated by leftists. But that didn't get in the way of the larger narrative in service of a broader political truth. The so-called news media was on a seek-and-destroy smear mission against Obama's critics. And that agenda colored virtually all the coverage. Others have written about the dramatic differences between press treatment of the Tea Party and the contemporaneous, quote-unquote, Occupy movement. The former applied for permits, picked up rubbish after rallies, and waved American flags. The latter's participants defecated on police cars, respected no rules of law, and occasionally committed assaults, sexual and otherwise. Guess whose overall media coverage was a lot more hostile? Our current moment is even worse. Massive pro-Hamas hate rallies, 
have erupted in major U.S. cities and across American campuses. Identifying gravely offensive signs and chants does not require any sleuthing or cherry-picking. Just eyes and ears. This so-called pro-Palestine movement go-to slogans include explicit references to killing Jews in Tevada, calls for the elimination of the Jewish state from the river to the sea, and crowing about Palestinian liberation being achieved by any means necessary, quote-unquote, an endorsement of the October 7th terrorist massacre of Jewish civilians in Israel. Morally inverted Nazi imagery is everywhere. A popular trend among this crowd is ripping down and defacing posters of hundreds of hostages still being held by Hamas. By the way, a footnote on that. And I hate to say this, I know a number of you are thinking this, but I have to say it. Most of the women, most of the girls, most of the young girls who've been kidnapped and who are Israelis, I guarantee you have been sexually abused and many of them murdered. I don't believe many of them are even alive anymore. So Guy Benson goes on. They endlessly traffic in mind-bending misinformation, conspiratorial lunacy. Let's talk about the Islamists. And outright bigotry and aggressive dehumanization of Jews. Their hate parades are widely suppressed, euphemized and airbrushed by the same news media that perceived, excuse me, dog whistles and imminent violence around every corner circa 2010. They deny, justify, defend, or celebrate Hamas's Jew butchery. Some call for more. Some deface synagogues, multiple examples. Public property, Washington, D.C., menace Jews at their homes in California, assault Jews in the street, New York City, and on the quad in Harvard, attempt to kill Jewish children in Indiana, even killed a pro-Israel demonstrator again in California. And much of the resulting coverage has been drastically and undeniably less skeptical to hostile than what the Tea Party experienced. No one's arguing or should argue that there were no racists in the Tea Party. I mean, hell, the Democrat Party's filled with racists. Or that attendees of pro-Palestine rallies universally hold some of the most republic views represented at those events. But I would argue that unlike the former movement, objectively disgusting sentiments are a very common feature of the latter gatherings. Openly eliminationist slogans have been the rule, not the exception. Yet the coverage of these respective movements broadly reverse that dynamic. The danger and threats posed by the American right wing are self-evident to most journalists, you see, so they go about their work accordingly. But when a politically aligned or inconvenient group ostentatiously lives down to the image they worked hard to impose upon the Tea Party, the headlines, editorial decisions look rather different. They don't like to cover or even censor unhelpful facts. Journos, uh, journalists have transform themselves from pointed inquisitors and accusers into publicists. It's impossible not to notice. Finally, in light of another glaring and galling media double standard about the relationship between political rhetoric and physical violence, I ask, why are we not in the midst of a fraught, media-driven national conversation, quote-unquote, about the civility and dangerous culture of hate fomented by politicians' words, especially in light of the multiple violent episodes that I've mentioned. Or does that sort of moral panic only apply when the news media's preferred team stands 
to benefit from it. That's an outstanding piece on Town Hall by Guy Benson. The title, Media Coverage of Conservative Rallies versus So-Called Pro-Palestine Rallies. Can you spot the difference? I spot it, I taste it, I smell it, and I'm nauseous from it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. Over at Breitbart, Phyllis Chesler. Why are feminists silent about Hamas raping Israeli women? Have you noticed all the elements of the Democrat Party? Virtually all of them are either silent or on the wrong side of evil. Have you noticed that? Feminist Phyllis Chesler, feminist, who broke with the left 20 years ago over its tolerance for anti-Semitism and Palestinian terror, has written a scathing indictment of fellow feminists who've been silent in the face of documented rapes by Hamas and its October 7 attack. And uh, around 90 percent, according to Reuters, October 14th, around 90 percent of the military dead been identified and teams are halfway through identifying civilians said rabbi israel weiss former army army chief rabbi one of the officials overseeing the identification of the dead he said many bodies showed signs of torture and rape he said we've seen dismembered bodies with their arms and feet chopped off people that were beheaded a child who was beheaded She said multiple cases of rape were found by forensic examination of the bodies, which had been stored in refrigerated containers. Chesler, writing with Mandy Sanghera, noted the silence of feminists in the face of these rapes. They wrote, we cannot understand the feminist silence about what is happening to civilian Israelis in general and to Israeli women in particular. We just quickly surveyed the online feminist media, and although articles appear about women being terrorized, raped and murdered in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Ukraine, we could not find a single article, not one, about what has been happening in Israel, including what is happening to women. This is also true of many feminist organizations. They write, this silence is very deep. We fear it is the kind of silence that precedes the proverbial storm, one of which Israel will be accused of overkill and of war crimes. Well, it's happening right now. And so they asked, aren't Israeli women who've just experienced sexual violence, public humiliation, captivity, and death worthy of our concern? 
Do they not deserve our compassion, outrage, and concerted activism? It's Peace and Breitbart, written by our buddy Joel Pollack. And so this feminist activist, well, two of them actually, are calling out so-called feminist activists. You don't understand, Phyllis. They're too busy pushing abortion on demand in the United States. Is it not amazing to you, America, that the Democrat Party distracts us from what's going on in our own country on the border, the inhumanity on the border, the impoverishment of the American people by the Democrat Party's uh, economic policies, and they're focused on abortion on demand? And because the ruling class Republicans are too stupid... And they don't know how to deal with it? It's, it seems like that's the number one issue in the country? Not what's going on in the streets? Not what's going on in our colleges and universities? Not what's going on that could lead to World War III if we're too passive and we don't, and we don't at least focus our attention on it? It's incredible. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. The Democrat Party brought us to this point. Peace was breaking out in the Middle East. Hamas dare not attack Israel. Donald Trump's foot was on Iran's throat. The country was sinking economically. The people were rising up to overthrow that regime. Hezbollah wouldn't even consider shooting a squirt gun over the border. Five Arab states and Muslim states signed diplomatic arrangements and agreements with Israel, with Saudi Arabia right behind them. Now look what's going on. So the answer, Phyllis Chesler, is this. The Democrat Party hates America. The Democrat Party is destroying America. The Democrat Party with Iran is funding our enemies. And of course, all these phony civil rights groups and movements are absolutely silent. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. I like this story. 
I like this story very much. Yahoo Sports. Man attacks former MMA. Man attacks former MMA fighter with a knife in a parking lot. Gets choked unconscious, Mr. Producer. That's mixed martial arts for the unanointed. You know, it's funny about mixed martial arts and the UFC in particular. I've been obsessed with this sport before it actually went, quote-unquote, professional. Now, obviously, I'm not an MMA fighter. I understand some people work out with MMA and that sort of thing. I'm not one of them. That said, as you longtime listeners know, this is something I've really been focused on for a long time. I don't mean obsessed with, but for instance, this Saturday there's going to be um, a series of fights, and I don't miss them. Whatever I'm doing, I want to watch them. And luckily, the big ones start at 9 p.m. Eastern after my 8 p.m. show. So you go from my show right to this. In any event, I used to watch this when these guys would fight basically outside in a uh, small stadium. And they would have uh, chicken wire fences around the platform on which they would fight. And I watched how it progressed over time, became more professional, started to wear uniforms. I don't mean team uniforms, just certain types of clothing, more rules at play, doctors on the, uh, on the scene. And I really do enjoy it. That doesn't mean I don't cringe or turn my head when something uh, heavy duty is taking place, like a constant forearm, the bone. To somebody's head and face while they're on the ground. But I'm always attracted to seeing things or watching things that I cannot do or certainly can't do well. Over 20 years ago, when they were building our house in Virginia, I would leave work and I would head over to the site where the house was being built because I wanted to see what they were doing. And I would do this at lunchtime on my lunch hour. I couldn't believe it, how they were doing it. And it's so fascinating to me. And I've always been a boxing fan. You don't grow up in and around Philadelphia without being a boxing fan. Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier's gym tell you a funny story my older brother he's about uh, two and a half years older than I am give or take six four very very strong worked out he wasn't all muscle bound and you don't want to be all muscle bound either when you're a fighter you want muscles but you don't want these massive muscles for many reasons agility but plus the blood fills up in the muscles very, very quickly. So your arms start to ache, your calves start to ache, so it becomes more difficult. And Doug uh, is my brother, the kindest human being you could ever meet. Wouldn't hurt an ant, but strong as hell. Never started a fight but never back down either. 
so he would, uh, when he was 18, 19, 20 years old, we lived in a town called Cheltenham, Elkins Park, right outside of Philadelphia. And he would, uh, unbeknownst to my parents, he'd make some money because he wanted to get a car or something like that as a bouncer. As a bouncer. Nobody really knew it, but he'd been a bouncer for about 18 months. And also what he started to do is he would start to go to Joe Fraser's gym, which is in North Philadelphia, which is a very tough neighborhood. Very tough neighborhood. And he would box. And uh, when my dad found out about it, who was a very strong man too, but again, they're not looking for fights. They're not street thugs, that sort of thing. Actually, incredibly intelligent. And my mother found out about it. They said, no, that's enough of that. You're not going there. You're not doing that anymore. And so he stopped. We were always interested in these fights. And I remember being in high school, the Ali Frazier fights. And we'd all debate about them and so forth. And when I wound up at the Department of Justice, Muhammad Ali would frequently call the Attorney General's office. And I took the call as Attorney General Mises' chief of staff. And you can tell the Parkinson's was kicking in. He spoke in a very soft voice. And he was the kindest man you can imagine. You know what his concern was? You know what his issue was? Child pornography. He was so thrilled that Attorney General Meese set up a special program to go after pornography, which was mostly focused on the mob, but also on child pornography. He was very, very happy about that. And once he sent me a, oh, a picture of him in the ring with his boxing gloves. Not, most of you have seen that. And he drew another ring at the bottom of it. And he wrote at the bottom, he said, don't you dare come in the ring with me. Your friend, Muhammad Ali. Dear Mark, your friend, Muhammad Ali. MMA, I've always been attracted to this because I can't do it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm attracted to everything I can't do, obviously, but this is something that fascinates me. So when I saw this story, and every now and then you'll see a story where one of these MMA professional fighters, maybe they're retired, they're attacked, or they break up a carjacking or something of that sort. It says you really should never be randomly attacking people on the street, but the group of people you especially shouldn't be targeting is trained mixed martial artists. One unlucky person lived out that nightmare last week when a security camera caught him trying to attack former MMA fighter Javier Baez with a knife in a parking lot. The result, the man was slammed to the ground and choked unconscious. And the video is in the article. The footage went viral several days later, leading to Baez making an appearance on TMZ and explaining what happened before, during, and after his altercation. The man was identified by police as Omar Marrero and charged with two felonies, according to CBS News. What he likely did not know was that Baez held a 5-2-1 record as a professional mixed martial artist most of his bouts with fight time promotions. 
Baez also told TMZ that he holds a black belt in jiu-jitsu, wrestled in college, and has practiced kickboxing for 15 years. So generally, he's a very bad person to pick a fight with, even if you're the one holding a knife. And as they point out, this isn't the first time someone has attempted a crime against an MMA fighter. As similar stories pop up here and there with similar results. Past examples include an attempted car thief against Kevin Holland, great fighter. An attempted mugging of straw weight Palia Viana. An attempted car theft against Jordan Williams. A home invasion of light heavyweight Anthony Smith. A drunken swing at Hall of Famer Matt Sierra. Oh, Matt Sierra's a great fighter. A nighttime break-in at ex-light heavyweight champ John Jones's house. Can you imagine? Probably the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Certainly one of them. Attempted stabbing of featherweight Maquan Amarcani's brother. An attempted mugging of legend Renzo Gracie. Renzo Gracie, the Gracie family. Unbelievable. There's a reason you see the word attempted a lot in there. Attempted. Because they all got their asses kicked. I'll be right back. Mark in. Well, you know, uh, we have a senator from Alabama who I've really come to admire. Senator Britt, I don't know you well, but I've seen you and I've heard you. And you say things and you have a way of saying things that I think are very, very important. And so welcome to the radio show. You're going to be heard throughout the country as well as Alabama, of course. And I, I you know, we spoke on Life, Liberty, Levin on Fox. And I just wanted to uh, tap into your knowledge base again. You went to Israel, and you you were briefed. You understand what took place, and yet you see what's happening in our streets, what's happening in our media. What do you make of all this? You know, first off, it is so disheartening to see our nation not just be able to call evil evil. You know, I think we've seen our country fray on the edges, uh, but to to see this, um, to see the way that Americans have reacted to pure barbaric terrorism, to the killing mark of innocent lives, I mean, babies, children, families, you know, we even had Secretary Blinken testify in front of us two weeks ago at the Appropriations Committee, and he told a story that I, you, you can't even wrap your head around because you don't want to believe that any human being is capable of. But as you know, these terrorists wore GoPro cameras. And so from what I saw uh, with my own eyes and then to his story recount of a family of four sitting around their table eating breakfast, terrorists come in they gouge the eyeballs out of the father they cut the fingers off the little boy cut the foot off of a little girl murder the mother murder them all move them out of the way and finish their breakfast oh good lord can can you 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 can't can't comprehend that level of evil and Mm. ronald reagan said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid and it is time for our nation to be unafraid. When we said never again, 80 years ago, it has to actually mean never again. It doesn't mean never again when it's convenient for us. It doesn't mean never again when uh, when we feel like it. 
it means never again. And to see the rise of anti-Semitism in this nation, um, to see the hate. Look, we, we all have First Amendment rights and, and we are proud to protect those. But you do not have a right um, to encourage genocide. You do not have a right to uh, support terrorism. You do not have a right to say things like gas the Jews. Um, it, it is it's disgusting. It is despicable. Uh, our institutions of quote unquote higher learning need to step up to the plate and and um, and do do their job, particularly what's happening on college campuses. I was proud to sign on to the piece of legislation um, that said that any of these college campuses that are facilitating this should not get taxpayer dollars. If you are allowing this to take place on your campus, you should not get taxpayer dollars. And we're going to have to we're going to have to be strong on this stuff and we're going to have to keep pushing it. Don't you think? Yeah, I don't see the Biden administration taking the lead on this. I have heard nothing from the attorney general. I've seen nothing from the attorney general. Uh, The secretary of education seems to be five steps behind. They have a lot of power, as you mentioned, power of the purse. They can conduct investigations under the Federal Civil Rights Act. I don't see that happening in any significant way. People aren't even arrested when they're storming the White House. Now, one arrest is my understanding. Uh, And now you have Jews actually being beaten, uh, being killed. Uh, And I just I'm not seeing the urgency from this administration. And that concerns me a great deal. And I think it's going to take you Republicans in Congress to really push this. And by the way, yes. Go right ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no. Keep going. Well, I want to swerve into something because it's very interesting. I've read your book. I see where you get your passion from now. I see where you get your morality from. And um, I wanted to thank you for this book. And I want to thank you for what you're doing. God calls us to do hard things. Lessons from the Alabama wiregrass. And I think this is so pertinent Right now, you talk about family and faith, the hard times you had to overcome. You're a quintessential American. Your family is quintessential American. You're not Jewish, and yet you see what's taking place here. And because of your upbringing and who you are and you're a red-blooded American, you feel compelled to speak out about these things. Explain to us. Absolutely. And, I mean, you said it. It is going to take us continuing to speak up and to speak out, because when I watch the videos of what uh, young, Jewish young people are having to deal with on college campuses, when we're seeing what's happened, people, you know, driving their cars into what they believe to be a Jewish center, and then you see the silence or, or even um, some of the rhetoric we've seen both from our vice president and former president Obama when he came out and said, uh, we we all are you know we're all complicit. Uh, I couldn't agree. Um, I couldn't disagree with him more. Uh, it is clear that. Um, by the, by that the way, Senator, the not to interrupt. Isn't that grotesque? What these people did and have done, and now we're all complicit for that. How sick is that? It is absolutely sick. The only people with blood on their hands are the terrorists and the people who fund them. And we know that Iran funds them. We know that we have eased off sanctions instead of uh, enforcing sanctions, which is what we should be doing to squeeze the money out of Iran. We cannot try to appease this government. We cannot go try to find moderates in this government. Obama's strategy failed us. Biden tried to to continue it. And it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And we have to call all evil, evil. And to your point about the book, God calls us to do hard things. 
You know, in there, I talk about every generation being called to do hard things, whether it is we look at D-Day and, and you think the other a couple of years ago, I visited the beaches um, in Omaha and Pointe Hawk and, and visited Normandy. And you see those cliffs that those young men climbed up. They climbed up in the face of, of guns barreling down, and they kept going. You see what Reagan did. You, you see what he did in tearing down that wall. I mean, you see at 9-11, um, when, when we were all just brokenhearted and unsure and, and um, so many were afraid, you had our first responders that didn't run away from those buildings. They ran towards them. And so as Americans, we have to look at this and we have to know every generation is called to do hard things. And I think we are seeing in front of us what our generation is called to do. And so reaffirming what our country was founded on. It was founded on faith, family, freedom. It was founded on principles, um, fundamental values, the value of hard work, where you keep your head down and you work hard. And if you do, in this nation, you can achieve more than your father before you. We do not need to keep telling these kids, keep your hand out and let the government give you more, more, more. That's not the way this works. And in treating people with dignity and respect, people who you may or may not agree with and building relationships that are built on that, getting back to that and as a country and realizing the ripple effect of your actions. And then two, taking responsibility when you hit your valleys. Because look, we all talk, you see people's peaks. And as I often say, Mark, if you don't see their peaks, go check their Instagram feed because we'll see it there. But it's the valleys where God carves you up and really um, it uses you. And if you're honest about it, you, you will understand your purpose and you will be better. Senator, we're going to take a short, hard break. I'd like to hold you over and continue what I consider to be a very, very important discussion. The book is God Calls Us to Do Hard Things by Senator Katie Boyd Britton. Get it at Amazon.com. Senator Katie Britt. So, can it, uh, Senator Katie Britt, why did you decide to write this book? So, Mark, um, you know, someone approached me right after the um, the runoff that I was involved in, and, and said, "Do you want to write a tell all about the about the campaign?" I said, uh, "Absolutely not." <laughs> Good and for you. then they. Re- and they came back after the general and said, oh, do you want to write about this and this? And you're going to be the, the youngest Republican female ever elected to the U.S. Senate. And what if you write? And, I, and I'm like, I'm not interested. Thank you. But no, thank you. Mm-hmm. They came back to me, Mark, at the end of January. So we were sworn in, gaveled in, gaveled out. Um, as you know, Chuck Schumer doesn't like to work. So mm-hmm. he sent us all home. Um, I immediately went to the border, my very first trip to see that for firsthand. And then when I got back to the state, we had some storms that had ravaged the state, visited and worked on that, and then did some maiden visits. And one of the things that I said in running is, you know, I wanted the unseen to be seen. And I am a big believer that no child zip code should determine their opportunity because I believe that education is the pathway to being able to to seize the American dream, you know, that that opportunity. You've got to work hard to get there, but that that is um, that opens the opens the the ability. And so I had gone to a school and I went it was a, a magnet school in downtown Mobile and I gave a speech and 
it was really, it was Dunbar Magnet School. And in that, you know, it, I told them a lot of these things that I talk about in the book, you know, talk about my failures. I, I talked about things I did wrong, things I wish I had known, things that I felt like that if I wish someone had told me when I was their age. And at the end, I told them, look, I can promise you one thing, and that is that the world will knock you down. But what I want you to promise me and what this nation needs from you is, is that you promise me that you will stand back up. And, Mark, they started chanting, I will stand back up on their feet. Wow. I will stand back up. It, it was amazing. It was remarkable. And so we posted about that. And so one of the publishers came back and said, let's try this one more time. What if you write about exactly what you just said, things you did wrong, things you did right, lessons learned, the foundational principles of this nation that you said you want the next generation to, to learn and embody and know about this country. And I said, you know what, that, that trying to lay the foundation for the next generation and give them something to, to look to, to learn from, to hold on to, to grow with that I can do. And so um, that's, that's why we read it. I think right now in this country, that's what we're doing. We're fighting for hearts and minds, and we have got to do better about talking to the next generation about what makes this country so great and the things, the individual freedoms and liberties we must fight for, we must preserve, um, and, and you know how, um, how you actually achieve the American dream. And, Mark, for me, the American dream it's not monetary. It's not material wealth. It's not fame or fortune. It, it's not even outcomes. To me, the American dream is about possibilities and it's about the opportunity to achieve. And so lighting that fire and, and showing them that even, you know, peaks, valleys that God will walk with you, with you if you ask him and that we're all called to a different purpose. But the point is we need you in the arena. So whatever that is, whatever your arena is, um, we need you to be in it and to be, you don't have to be the best, but being your best um, will certainly open up doors. You know, I see here that uh, you went to the University of Alabama. As they say down there, go Tide. Uh, it's always <laughs> right. a hell of roll a football tide. team. Look at you. Or roll Tide. Look, listen, I have family there in Alabama. I, I'm uh, my, do- my, my daughter went to the University of Alabama for a couple of semesters. Then she decided to come back to Virginia. But she loved that school. And um, that makes me like it. Oh, it's true. And uh, I know the battle between Auburn and Alabama and all that and so forth. But it is a great state. You know, people in the north, I'd never been in Alabama. People in the north, they look down on Alabama and the southern states and so forth. You've got in Huntsville, Alabama there, one of the most sophisticated, uh, what is it, Redstone? I'm trying to remember the name. That's exactly right, Redstone Arsenal. That's exactly right. And it's very sophisticated. So much of the technology for NASA comes from an arsenal. So much technology, period, comes out of there. You have a high level of scientists and engineers and all kinds of experts and so forth. Tell the whole country a little bit about the state of Alabama. Oh, gosh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I, I live in a great state with great people. And to your point, we have a great story to tell. 
We have in Huntsville, as you mentioned, Redstone Arsenal, Marshall Space Flight Center. I mean, that's where they're working, not just to go back to the moon, but to go to deep space, to uh, Mars and beyond. You know, we look at what it does. I often say that obviously national defense means a great deal to Alabama, but Alabama actually means a great deal to national defense. And you look at more engineers per capita right there in that region. Um, You know, you look at Birmingham and and we have, there's so much history that comes through our state um, with Birmingham to Montgomery to Selma with the Civil Rights Trail. You look in the Shoals where some of the most uh, famous recording artists have have, uh, gone to Fame Studios right there and recorded some of their first albums from Aretha Franklin uh, all the way around. Um, You look down at the coast where we have beautiful white sand beaches, both right there. We have a deep water port in Mobile, but Mobile and and Baldwin County um, are just some of the most beautiful communities down there. And you have where I'm from, the Wiregrass. Um, Obviously, it is an agriculture community. We we believe we are the peanut capital of the world down there in that region, Um, but it's an agriculture, small business, and also military community. We have Fort Novacell there, um, also have Maxwell Air Force Base in Montgomery, but Fort Novacell, uh, previously Fort Rucker, is where they we train all of the helicopter pilots. And so growing up there um, in the Army and growing up there was really special because when you grow up in a place like that and, you know, you sit in class with the children of our servicemen and women in this great nation, you realize that that sacrifice is not just of our servicemen and women, but it's that of their entire families because you watch them as their children, as their parents are gone for months on end, some of them never having the opportunity to return home. And so you realize what it means to be American and the, the price and sacrifice that is paid for this country to be so incredible. And so we have um, just a wonderful state. We have advanced manufacturing. Um, we have Auburn. We have more HBCUs than any other place in the nation. We have a ton of different institutions of higher learning. And I, I think the, what makes Alabama so special are our timeless values and principles and lessons that I grew up with, that we share in the book, that ensure that our nation's best days are still ahead. And it it's important. I think in Alabama, we all believe we have to do our part. And so stepping into the arena and preserving these values and fighting for them so that we can pass them on to the next generation, um, we believe we have an obligation to do that. And so I, I could not be more proud um, to be from the great state of Alabama. And to your point, I think some people should give it a second look. It is a great state. And I remember going uh, to Huntsville, and I remember University Boulevard there. Yeah. And they had I mean, every you- single restaurant you could imagine. That's why I loved <laughs> that boulevard, because, I mean, I could, I'm going to eat here, and I'm going to eat here, and, and some of the best. All the things. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and, you know. And we have, so we have big city, you know, to, to your point, Huntsville is close to Nashville, close to Birmingham. We have big cities and we also have small towns. And, you know, my parents, I grew up, both of my parents were small business owners. And when you grow up in a small community, particularly when you see, the, you know, the values that are instilled in you that you'll see throughout this book, um, you know, somebody else's mama will, will uh, yank you up just like you're their child. Um, because everybody is invested in bringing out the best in in each other and, you know, having each other's back and showing up with, 
I'm sure you've witnessed some good Southern hospitality. Hell yes. Um, but we have we have some really incredibly kind people. Um, but just uh, it's it's a really wonderful place. So I appreciate I've got one you more question. Opportunity to talk about it. One more question: Is Gibson's barbecue still there? Yes, yes. How like my favorite barbecue. Is it still there? Oh my. <laughs> Okay, Mark, I am sending you some white uh, <laughs> Big Bob Gibson's barbecue sauce. We, we are making this happen, and you will love this. So each senator on the Republican side of the aisle, we each pick a Thursday. Now, of course, you sign up via seniority. So when you're like me and you're at the bottom of the barrel, you get what's left. <laughs> but on that day, you get to bring things from your home state, and it's an Wonderful opportunity. Obviously, it's a more low-key lunch, although we do get into some things most most likely. But uh, the person who's hosting tells about their state and tells them and brings food from their state. And I had exactly what you're talking about. That is what I brought. That was one of the things I brought mm-hmm. and what I served to everybody because it is just that good. You're not kidding. Well, Senator, you're a delight. You're a great uh, addition to the United States Senate. Your book is outstanding. God calls us to do hard things. And I want to thank you for what you've been doing on the border over in Israel with the budget and how you're going to hold these uh, colleges and universities as best you can to account. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much, Mark. We're going to keep fighting, and thank you for what you do. My pleasure. You be well. She's just, she's very cool. What can I say? My wife is the one who turned me on to her. said, did you see Senator Katie Britt on? I said, no, I on the border issue. She said, unbelievable. I went back and I watched. I said, wow. Then she's in Israel, comes back, speaks about that. I had her on TV. And you can hear she's like a regular person. Um, you know, not one of these well-coughed senators. Uh, everything's perfect. You watch every word they say, and so you can tell she has passion. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, America, I know my food. Not the hoity-toity, you know, top-level stuff. But the really good stuff. Like Gibson's Barbecue there in Huntsville. Stan's Donuts. Out in California, Santa Clara, California, not too far from the Lawrence Expressway. Oh, yes. The best donut place. Now, some of you own donut shops or you have barbecue stores. If I haven't been there and I don't know you, I can't compare, obviously. But in my lifetime, I can actually mentally taste what I've eaten at these places. You ever go through that, Mr. Producer? Your mind can bring back the taste. It's an amazing thing. And Gibson's, their coleslaw is unbelievable, too. And it's, obviously, I'm hungry. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going on and on like this, would I? All right, back to work. You know, here's the truth. If you were to show on television what actually happens to a baby in the womb, particularly near birth, And how that abortion occurs and what it does to the baby in the womb. I think we win a lot more votes than we'd lose. Because it's horrendous. The big needle, the sucking the brains out of the skull. 
turning the body around, pulling the baby out by the feet. It's sickening. It's grotesque. And the Democrat Party, Hakeem Jeffries announced today there should be no limits on abortion. I guess that means no parental rights either. I just said something in 60 seconds that Republican candidates won't say. I don't get it. And now we're getting lectures by individuals who are really not pro-life. They pretend to be. This abortion issue can be discussed in a way where Americans understand, because most Americans believe in parental notification. Most Americans do not believe in that procedure I just described. But the Democrats run on abortion because they can lie about it with their billionaires and their hundreds of millions. And they overwhelm any candidate that doesn't support abortion on demand, partial birth abortion. That is infanticide. And we ought to start calling it what it is. Not only that, Democrats use abortion to distract from so many of these other issues in which they're failing Americans. They care about life. Can they prove it? Can they prove it? They oppose law enforcement, which results in more crime, that is, more deaths in our major cities. They won't secure the border. More deaths here in America by the tens of thousands, and quite frankly, the migrants trying to get in. It's not a compassionate party. Biden's not a compassionate person. They keep talking about civilians, civilians, civilians. They're talking about Gaza. And they don't even know who's killing the civilians. Well, they know, but they won't say. But here in America, you never hear them talking about civilians' lives. Gun control. How about border control? How about crime control? How about prosecutors who prosecute? How about judges who lock people up? Yeah, what about it? All right, folks. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the freedom fighters all over the world. I salute you. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. And our brothers and sisters in Israel, we actually do have your back. And we wish you all the best. And I'll see you tomorrow. 